All right. Hey, I want to teach you about liberty, about freedom, about Independence, uh, Independence Day, the greatest Independence Day. And it was in um, Luke chapter 4. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke. And I want you, once you get there, I want you to hold your place to Luke chapter 4. And uh, then I want you to go to Isaiah 61. I want to show you how Old Testament text gets bumped into the New Testament context. And this was the case. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, baptized by John in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. The voice said, this is my son and whom I am pleased. And... Um, He was full of the Spirit in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And he returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. And for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. So at the start, a launch of Jesus' ministry, he fasted for 40 days, a very lengthy fast, and he became hungry. And the devil tempted him, saying, if you're the Son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. And the next temptation was, bow to me and I'll give you all these kingdoms and their glory because they're mine to give and I give them to whom they will. And the next temptation was, he got him up on the top of the temple and he he said, jump down off of this and angels will protect you. And he quoted the great Psalm 91 verse 11. You know, I want to just say a couple of thoughts here. Whenever we get overwhelmed with temptation, we need to do the Jesus pattern And I intentionally skipped his pattern to show you the accumulation of these overwhelming attacks can be daunting. First of all, the devil is the tempter and he's the father of lies. And he's he's needling Jesus at a point of vulnerability. He's an opportunist and he's evil. And he's going, hey, if you're the son of God, he starts challenging him on his identity. He starts challenging him on his authority. He he starts challenging him on his relationship with God. And it's the same thing all the time, repeat, repeat, repeat throughout the ages to all of us. But the amazing, vanquishing step Jesus made was so important embedded in between each one of these things. What we often do is let them accumulate and we get overwhelmed. It's like, I'm so depressed. Why? Well, this is happening and this happened. And then it's like things, bad things happen in threes. And I went to, I got up from work. I went, my computer broke down. And then I went and I got in the car. The, the lights wouldn't change. And then I got, and then I, I, have, I have the wrong socks on. And, you know, it, we, we go into all that stuff. But Jesus, every time he got tempted, If you're the son of God, turn these stones into a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Well, that is the key. This isn't a deity trick. This is empowerment and and impartation for you and me on how to maintain our liberty. Jesus gave us the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. We resist the devil with the word. And so... This two-edged sword, Ephesians chapter 6, we wield this two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12, the word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And we say, it is written. Say it with your mouth. It is written. So he didn't just let it accumulate. And I'm going to be honest, times of my earlier Christian life, I would get overwhelmed with stuff and they'd just start to accumulate. And I got, I got rebuked. I got admonished by the Lord. He, he, whom he loves, he chastens. 
And he said, look, man, look at what Jesus did. He did not let these things accumulate. He dealt with them as they came. And I want to say to you right now that this is what I think we should do. You get up in the morning, you get tempted. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. You, you get, if you lapse into the flesh, you get critical and you murmur. God, I repent for that right now. 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Quick to repent, thorough and quick to stand on the word of God, quick to hold up your shield of faith. Do you follow that? You say, Pastor Jeff, do you follow that? Absolutely, because the devil's relentless, and uh, we might as well be relentless as well. And in fact, this freedom that we have is not something we just lay back like Pillsbury Doughboys and just get all pudgy and, and just become couch potatoes and just open mouth really, uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I, uh, where's the remote? Bring me some chips and dip. No, man, these people died to give us freedom, and we've got to keep fighting for it. We've got to fight, as Christians, got to fight in prayer. Uh, and just as individuals, we've got to fight the good fight of faith, don't we? Jesus had to. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When he said, hey, bow to me, and I'll give you all my kingdoms. You know, Bono and you too wrote in uh, the Vertigo song, he quoted this verse. He kind of played the part of the devil's voice, and he said, bow to me, all this will be yours, and no one will get hurt. And he would be familiar with that because he's a Christian in the marketplace in his field as a rock musician, and he's had ridiculous battles along these lines. And he's basically being facetious about it, showing how the devil's so schmarmy and such a liar. But with what happened here, uh, he said, look, all this panorama of power you can have. He showed him all the kingdoms, verse 5, of the world in a moment of time. Business kingdoms, military kingdoms, financial kingdoms, art and entertainment kingdoms, opportunities, all over these kinds of amazing pivotal things and powerful things. And he said, if you bow to me, he said, I'll give all these to you, this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. This clears up why the world is the way it is. Because Jesus didn't say, That's, you're a liar. That, you didn't, that isn't true. No, it is true. He, Satan, is temporarily the God of this world. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and according to to Genesis chapter 3, he usurped authority from Adam and Eve. God gave the authority to Adam and Eve in the pre-fall glory of the garden, and they forfeited it by sinning. And Lucifer, Satan, the devil, is temporarily the god of this world. And in fact, the Bible says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's why it's not ideal that's why there's wars and rumors of wars. That's why, because lawlessness has increased, many people's love has grown cold. That's why we see so much challenge, so much disharmony and so forth, because all the world lies in the power of the evil one. So yet, Jesus was not going to get his exaltation and his empowerment from this approach. They talk about Robert Johnson, blues man, Delta blues man. And People that knew him said that never happened. That became a myth. He sold his soul to the devil type of thing. But actually, people have. And it's a compromise. And that's what the devil was tempting Jesus with. It's like, you bow to me, and you're going to have some sort of unusual fame. And I have actually tracked through history and time and seen what, that, what I would say that's probably what happened in certain cases. Is how else would somebody in this 
position or category where with this limitation have this amazing embellishment. Well, yet Jesus refused it. And he said, he said again, it is written, verse 8, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He said, if you worship me, it shall be yours. But he said, no, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. And every time a temptation comes to try to vie for our liberty or get us off our course and distract us, it is written. Baptists teach this. The founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, taught this. George Whitfield taught this, the great reformer of, the, uh, of the, the Great Awakening. Spurgeon, the Baptist pastor from London, taught this. This is nothing new. This is not some sort of quirky methodology of modern times. It is the age-old, seasoned way to go when you are being challenged regarding your momentum, your, your identity, your destiny, your purpose, your relationship with God. Listen, the enemy will come and chip away at you to where you have a very light concept of salvation. He will come to you and he will try to res- bombard your mind till you're numb and you can't make good decisions. And But yet, where the Spirit of the Lord is, it's a different matter. And remember, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And the Spirit led him into the wilderness and he toughed it out with the anointing, with the empowerment, with the power of the Holy Spirit. So he had the same equipment we have. He had the Holy Spirit, and he had the Word of God. And he had the assurance from the Father that he was on a mission, and he was going to win, even though he got led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. But listen, at the great conclusion of this, when the devil tried to say, jump off this building, and I was in Israel, and I looked at the, uh, one of the models of it, and I saw the scale of it, and it he would have died from it. It was like... It's prompting him to commit suicide. Oh, just go jump off the wall. It would have been easy then for the devil if he prompted Jesus to die. Jesus was destined to die, but not like that. Not in some self-destruct way. Not in some false test way. In fact, when he said that to him, he led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so you will not strike your foot against the stone. That makes me mad that the devil's quoting Psalm 91.11. He shouldn't be doing that. That's our verse. He knows it's our verse. He knew it was Jesus, the Jewish, young, proficient, observant, devoted man. He knew he knew this verse by heart. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to a test. And then what happened? When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him for an opportune time, which shows me that the devil is finite. God's Holy Spirit is infinite. The devil has a beginning, a middle, and an end to temptation. God's mercies never come to an end. Abbreviated, constant, but opportunistic. He's looking for another opportunity to tempt, test, and try. That's why we must not give the devil an opportunity and close all the doors to the devil. And the way Jesus did it was every time something came around, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. Let's do. My wife is very good about this, and it helps me. I, it's one of the benefits I've had from being with her is to not put things off and to just really get after things. I'm, I'm getting better about it. I'm maturing. I'm growing. 
Because 1 Corinthians 3 says, God causes the growth. God's causing growth in you and me. We're to grow up in all aspects of him and mature. Knowing, growing, showing. We show forth his praises. We show forth the excellencies of him. And then we, we see signs, wonders, and miracles follow as we go. Go into all the world. We're on the go. Well, Pastor Jeff, what happened to 2020? We've had a little bit of a deal. The Bible says it's inevitable. That there, 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 the wars, rumors of wars and all that stuff. Where do we fit in the end times? We're closest to the end times of any group in the kingdom ever. And uh, we ought to live as such and, and, and because our redemption draws nigh. But in the meantime, we stand with it is written. We fight for our freedom. I want that inscription on the Liberty Bell to never be, ever be taken off. I want the concept that we got from the Judeo-Christian Foundation to never be excised out of the Western world. In fact, I want to see this gospel go to every nation. Because wherever the gospel is preached, lives are elevated. People are liberated. People are set free. Can I tell you why? This is what Jesus picks up. It says here that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praising, praised by all. We were at an excavation with a Catholic uh, priest who was presiding over this uh, parcel of property, and when they were planning on expanding their, their facility, they dug up very important archaeology, so important that they scrubbed their plans to expand the building, and they brought in teams of archaeologists to clear out what became an obvious footprint of a Jesus-era amazing temple, a synagogue, beautiful tile, and they knew exactly where the laver and the places where the priests would function, and it's probable because of the vicinity that Jesus spoke there. Verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And it says the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Jewish people reverence the Bible. Now, Gutenberg with the movable press didn't happen until 1450-something. So this was 1,450-something years earlier, and they had their writings on papyrus and on vellum, and they were written meticulously by the scribes, and they were faithful and they were loyal to take the oral tradition and then put it down in the word. Men of old, moved, holy men of old, moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote God's word. And these scribes were commissioned to be carriers of the message. It's like these, these shows we see where somebody's assigned in the village if, they, if they're a nomadic tribe. Somebody's responsible for the fire. And they'll build a fire and they'll keep a fire alive night and day, night and day, through rain and through heat and through, because fire keeps, you could cook food and you could boil water and it sustains you. And then there'd be one person in the village, hey, you're in charge of carrying the fire. I saw a film where it depicted a guy had a big thing protecting his back with leather uh, covering, and he had a rope, and then he had this, these embers on the inside of this thing, and he would, he would carry it on his back, and, and, and he kept putting uh, bark and soft uh, kindling and you know, broken up leaves and things just to keep the fire burning. And then he would come, they'd walk for miles and miles, this one particular film, and 
he would take that out and the whole village deeply appreciated what he did because he kept the fire going. And I'm telling you, thank God, the fire of, from all these days past is still here present. It's not only for a remnant or for elite, an elite few, but it's for everybody. He said the Holy Spirit would come on all flesh and the word is for everybody that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and that we can speak the word and God will get great results. Come on. And there's liberty in that. And he got up and he took the book of Isaiah and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. I heard one minister extrapolate a bit on that. He found the place where it was written of him because he in fact said that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Listen to verse 18. This is liberty right here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he anointed me to preach the gospel, good news, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Here's what happened. You could hear crickets chirp. There wasn't, you know, in those teenage movies where there's somebody up in the bleachers and they go, that didn't even happen. Crickets chirping, nobody clapping, everybody's going, this is an epic moment. And they had never heard anybody like this. Later on, they talked about Jesus. He speaks with authority and not as the scribes. The scribes would read this and it would be, yeah, amen, that's really great. He got up and preached it and he's the living word. It's different. They said, come, we've never heard a man like this. Because it was substantial, because guess what? He was the word made flesh. Guess what? It was about him. Guess what? It was about what he came to do. The great liberator had come. This job description was being decreed right at the start. And when I was in that, in that synagogue, we were standing there, and, and one of the gentlemen that was part of our group, a pastor, he got up next to that priest, and, and the priest stepped back and you know, enabled him to get up, and he said, could this be? the exact location where Jesus found the scripture and they handed the scroll to him. It could be. I mean, it's highly possible. And had it not been the exact synagogue, it could have been one of the places, because he thinks maybe he went and shared this in a number of places, because this was before all the internet and all printed page and all the radio and everything. So news didn't travel like it does now. But yet he did say this. He did pronounce liberty, freedom, recovery, open eyes, new beginnings, refreshing, hallelujah. And this is what we celebrate. In our country, we celebrate 240-some years of a unique experiment where the Lord has blessed us. And the core of it, religious freedom. The core of it, people needed to know that they could live and worship with freedom. Thank God for it. I appreciate it so deeply. I thank God for it every day. I thank God for freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Let freedom ring. Being in Israel during a year of Jubilee is a big deal to me. Look up Jubilee. Study it a little bit. Jewish people understand it. It means uh, give the land a break. Forgive all debts. In that case of the Hebrew people, liberate the slaves. I mean, it is a big deal. And where the spirit of the Lord is, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And Jesus said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Verse 21. 
Hallelujah. So, what does it say? Freedom, liberty came to bind up the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted today, I pray your wounds would be bound up for real. I've been there. You just cry with hot tears. You feel depressed. I pray chains fall off of you. You feel bound. I pray that you'd experience a surge of liberty and freedom in your spirit. It has to start somewhere. It might as well start in our minds being renewed. We might as well dust off these pages. I mean, this is probably a chapter in Isaiah 61 and in Luke chapter 4 that is preached probably more often than most areas of Scripture, I would say per capita, so to speak, because this is Jesus' job description. And you know what? It's our, it's our job description. Because as he is, so are we in this world. He's given you and me the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us his word. He's bestowed delegated responsibility upon us. He said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of the nations. That's why I was celebrating Dritan and Ina Gashi, the wonderful church, Pastor Dritan, and their ninth anniversary in a place that didn't have religious freedom that much before. But now it does. Didn't have a church like that. It's one of the largest churches of its type in the region. He has friendship with other pastors. He's a thinking Christian. When I get around him, man, I feel like I'm with an early church member. He stirs my heart. And I watch what God's capable of doing. I watched Jesus during the late 60s and early 70s grab people like me out of the pit. I've watched the Lord equip us through the 70s when in a movement I was in, it was a lot of good worship music, a lot of great testimonials, but there wasn't much teaching. And then thankfully, there were people in the wings that God had preserved as equippers. And they came in around 1975 in our context, and they began to bring good quality doctrine to rightly divide the word of God and to show how correct biblical interpretation and to understand the, the exposition of chapters and overlook, uh, overview of, uh, of uh, the, the flow from the Old and New Testament, to understand the Bible in the light of our redemption, to understand that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation, that God and sinners are reconciled, that he that the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to remind you, Galatians 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own superficial mold. Don't let the spirit of fear hassle you and accost you and cripple you. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So stand firm. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Holy Spirit is here right now. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters on the day of creation. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended upon Jesus and filled the upper room in the early church inception. And he's here with us as vibrantly, as thoroughly as today. And God still watches over his word to perform it. I close with John 8, 31 through 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, that's why in Galatians he said, keep standing firm. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth 
and the truth will make you free. Look at the context. He told the Jews who believed, if you continue in my word. Notice Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. That's continuing in his word. That's continuing in his word. And what will he do? He'll give you a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So we will be called oaks of righteousness, repairers of the streets, ministers of reconciliation, new creation, new creatures in Christ. There's a song called Amazing Grace. Then there's a guy, a songwriter, Chris Tomlin, who came and added some parts to it. He was real uncomfortable and reluctant because he said, I don't want to touch this gem of a hymn that it's in, you know, it's been in hymnals for hundreds of years. He, but yet he came up with something I think is strong. And I'll close with this. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unfailing love, amazing grace. Heavenly Father, where your spirit is, there's liberty. We don't want to grieve or quench your spirit. So, Lord, we ask for a tremendous inclination toward repentance. May we not sear our conscience. May we not dull our hearts. May we have a genuine, tender heart, please. And God, if there's anyone who's not saved, I pray they give their hearts to Jesus right now. I pray, God, people would realize this isn't just a concept for goyim or for Christians or for church people. Jesus is the Savior that was promised through Abraham, promised through King David, and that he's the Messiah to the Jew first and also to the non-Jew, to the nations. In fact, you break the divide, the wall of division. You break it, and there's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's, there's hope for all of us. Our identity can shift and be in you. And it's not just trying to be a good person. It's not, if I click all the boxes, I'll be okay. No, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. That's why Jesus is so critical and so important that we receive him. Because he gave himself as a ransom for many. He gave himself and we receive you, Jesus. Listen, receive Jesus. Just do it. Do it privately in your heart. Tell somebody eventually, but do it right now. Just make Jesus your Lord, no matter what your walk, no matter what your previous bias. If you've been away from God, I did that a couple of times, and God brought me back. And man, I just want to encourage you. God loves you. I pronounce blessing over you. I pray breakthrough in your life. Humble yourself and come back to Jesus. And listen, if you feel like you've been so hassled, I pray you get, this would be a year of amazing dedication amazing impartation you, you receive from the Lord and amazing refreshing. Heavenly Father, I thank you for doing a great work in each person's life. I thank you for breakthrough in Jesus' name. I pray the healing touch of God on the nations. I pray the glory of God would fall upon all places and peoples. And I come against every evil demonic thing. And I pray for a garland instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of the spirit of fainting. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' name, God bless you.